0: What that turns into is control, controlling the future, controlling those around, controlling the situation such that I cannot fail, I must succeed, it has to go a certain way, people have to act a certain way, only this scenario is good for me, I can't do this or that thing. This gets exhausting and starts to get a smaller and smaller world around the person. Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We want to remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. Folks, we're back to talking about anxiety. In today's show, we're going to discuss more about this idea of the present moment and things you can do to help. Uh, We'll also talk about how avoidance has been impacting your life and ways to get your world and your life back and how a counselor can help you with that. So let's get started on the show. All right, folks, we're on to the next anxiety show, How to Lower Anxiety and Live the Life You Deserve Now. Well, we're not going to do it on this show. We're going to do two shows, two extra shows about anxiety. There's just too much that I wanted to pass on. I just couldn't put it all in one. So um, we're going to cover some uh, big topics that you'll want to hear about. And the final show will be the next one. So kind of a bonus show. So hold on. We're going to talk about anxiety, continue the topic. And get you to where you want to be. Did you increase your exercise from the first show? So going back to show number one, we asked you increase your exercise. Did you watch Eckhart Tolle on the present moment? Did you do some meditation? Did you do the bonus activity and order the book? If you did, then you're on your way. That's a great first step. So these are all things that are just seem so basic and so um, almost too simple but are a massively important base for you to start working on your anxiety. Uh, In the last show, we talked about learning to be present. Uh, In general, most folks that struggle with anxiety are future thinkers, worriers, and also go back to the past too, but the future is very prevalent with anxiety. Lots and lots of thoughts about the future, what's about to happen, and so what that turns into is control. Controlling the future, controlling those around, controlling the situation such that I cannot fail, I must succeed, it has to go a certain way, people have to act a certain way, only this scenario is good for me, I can't do this or that thing. This gets exhausting and starts to get a smaller and smaller world around the person. So much controlling the future and those around can be a big strategy. But what totally talks about is how the present is important and not being present can drive you insane. Being present is noticing and acknowledging what is. Acknowledging what is. That's a big word in this idea. So acknowledging is just saying this is the situation. You've heard people say, and it's a little bit of a cliche, it is what it is. Some people hate that statement, but it's in some ways a way of doing this. And that is to say, this is not good or bad. It's just the way things are currently. It doesn't mean I can't work to improve them in the future. It doesn't mean this isn't exactly what I asked for. It just means this is how it is and accepting how it is. Acknowledging what it is, is not saying you like it or dislike it. It's just acknowledging the fact that this is the present moment. So this is a very hard thing for many people because most likely there's a lot of dislike or complaining about the present such that the person checks out and starts thinking about a bunch of other things, mostly critical or complaining, thinking about what could be or should have been or what they should have done three years ago, all leading to the fact that the now is not acceptable. It is not An acceptable state is not an acceptable place. Anxiety is here now. I don't like my anxiety. And therefore, now is sort of a living hell. Well, you're confusing the two. Now and your judgment of the now are two separate things. Now and your judgment of the future or the past, again, are two separate things. So the idea is if you can just hang into the now... And not judge it, just acknowledge what is, work from there, then you have something. You have the start of eliminating anxiety as a controller of your life. We're always going to have anxiety. There are going to be things that come up that are going to create anxiety. For example, you have a loved one. They get into a car accident. They've been taken to the hospital. If this doesn't make you somewhat anxious, then... Uh, I'm not sure what to say. I mean, you're, you obviously care about the person. They're in trouble. They're, they've been injured. You're supposed to be anxious. It's a, it's a reaction that is normal. That is typical. So you'll do whatever it takes to help them with their safety, their recovery, but it's not about saying, well, I can't be anxious. Therefore, don't come talk to me. Don't bring me your problems. No, of course not. You override your personal anxiety about the situation and you address the issue, the present. This is acknowledging what is. If you can stay in that moment and do what needs, then it's most likely you'll have less anxiety about the future. This is essentially the scenario and the, the, the theory, I guess, in a nutshell. So what you can do to start working on this is an exercise that I propose, not exercise as in... Uh, going to the gym but exercise as in give this a try. Notice in the next day or so just how much you leave the present and where you go. You can set your watch or a timer for every hour or two to just go off somewhat randomly and note in that moment when the alarm goes off where you are mentally. Maybe jot down a few notes on your phone. This is a great bit of info for you or your counselor if you're going to therapy and and dealing with this issue and are trying to learn about it. This is something that you and your therapist can, can work on. They can help you with this and help you start to learn or notice the moment and what's going on. So until you really do this kind of thing, it's almost impossible to really know or tell just how much of this you're doing. The reason is we do it so effortlessly we so quickly move from one thought to the next that has nothing to do with the now. And those thoughts can take you to quite horrible places. This is where anxiety, not anxiety from a scenario that I mentioned before of someone getting injured and you're supposed to be anxious all the while doing the things you need to be doing, such as care for them. This is where anxiety takes control and says, no, I can't do these things. I can't go to these places This is not the thing that I can do because it's making me anxious. I can't do this because it makes me anxious. What we're talking about here are things that really logically, you know, you should do. And on some level want to do. On some level it's part of your core values of how you see your life being the kind of person you want to be. You want to be that person, but that thing makes you anxious. That's a hard contrast, and that's what we're working on here is trying to sort that out in this exercise. So what you're ultimately doing this exercise, again, I would say, just note throughout the day, setting a timer is not a bad idea, and just try to figure out where you are in how well you stay present. And then note the things you're typically thinking about when you're not and how this is making you feel. So give that a shot, and there's no right, wrong answer here, it's just one of those great data gathering projects that you can do. And uh, it's not a new way to beat yourself up. It's not a new way to say, Oh, I'm not present. This is yet another thing I'm doing wrong. Oh, my God. No, this is just simply noticing where you are. And now going forward, we'll figure out how we can adjust that. Some people say or wonder, is planning okay, or how they're supposed to plan for the future if they have to be in the now and I would say planning is okay. Planning is a, is a deliberate act about something in the future that you know is going to take place. You know you need to be doing it. You have to set up for it. You're having Thanksgiving dinner at your house. You're probably going to need to plan for that. Who's coming? How many chairs are set out? What are we making? Do we have the ingredients? That's all fine. All of that is fine. What is different, what is not planning, is thinking about, how anxious it's making you, how stressed out you are, how good your life will be when this is all over because you hate having family at your house and Uncle Joe is just going to get drunk and he and Aunt Sally are just going to talk about politics and you know whatever. You're, you're building all these scenarios in your head and basically putting labels on what they're going to do, how it's going to happen, um, how upset everyone's going to get. That's not planning. That is now going off into the future and just creating a world of scenarios that make you anxious and really you have no control over or mostly no control over in this case and focusing on that can really make you not want to have Thanksgiving dinner at your house. Well, what if part of your value system is you, you love the holidays, you, love, you want to have family, you want to have family gatherings, but they're hard currently. They're, they're tough, they're tough on you. Can you see where this is a problem? Can you see where this is a, a collision of ideas here? And what one way of going about this, we'll talk about in the next show, is this idea of values and, and how you handle a situation like this. Something that you know or want to have or want to be doing, or want people to say, hey, you are this kind of person. You want to be that kind of person, but anxiety is stopping you from being that kind of person. That is a dilemma we'll deal with definitely on the next show. Uh, it's a little hard to get into over this medium here because it does. I do have a great way of presenting that in the therapy office. And uh, honestly, I'm I'm battling with how to present that because it's, uh, it's a little bit of a challenge. So we're, I'm going to work on that. Okay, um, so planning is okay. Do that uh, exercise to just note how you're doing as far as being present. Uh, How to get present. Now, some may say, well, all right, I've noticed now that I'm having trouble staying present. I'm really not sure I'm very good at that. How do I do better? And there, there are a bunch of ways. Meditation is certainly the first and obvious one that people use to get present or practice that. And I would say that's great, but you can't live your life that way. You can't just constantly stop and throw down and and meditate for five, ten minutes, what have you, because it's just not realistic. Um, It does not just flow into life meditating constantly. There's got to be some other way. So there are other ways to meditate, um, but we can exclude meditation for this discussion and just say things that bring you or make you more present are generally somewhat meditative and, and this is what we're talking about, being present. So they're generally things that you like to do and things that keep your mind involved in what you're doing currently. So there was a study a number of years ago and they, and they sort of know the answer to these things, but they just asked what people felt like they were the most present. What activities do people feel like they're the most present and in, in, in the moment? They didn't spend a lot of time getting down in the weeds here, but it was just sort of basic ideas. This is sort of the 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 uh family feud idea. Give, give me the top three things that people feel are there are the most present. Uh number one, sex. Makes sense, right? You're you're kind of involved and probably not thinking about what's going on with the boss uh, what's going on in politics, Yeah, you're able to stay focused and stay in the moment. And if you're not, well, then there's obviously a problem here where if you cannot stay focused on what you're doing, enjoy what you're doing, being with the person, then obviously that's going to have an impact. So, um, this is a great one. Hobbies are the next one. Um, And and this is a very wide blanket term, hobbies. This could be playing sports. This could be, you know, building things, um, doing whatever. Anything that you feel is meaningful, uh, you enjoy doing, that takes some degree of effort, some degree of um, focus. uh, Those are great things to uh, people say, hey, these are things that help me stay present. The last thing is conversations with friends or any sort of kind of involvement when it comes to just talking, just talking about issues, nothing in particular doesn't have to be. But these are activities where people say they're generally present. So we can use this as somewhat of a template of saying, well, if I I need to get more present, maybe there are some ways that you can just stop and do some things that you, these are all things that people enjoy, obviously. Um, There's ways to go over the top or abuse all of them. Ultimately, you're trying to find how you can fit these or things like these things into your life that get you more present. So if you're having trouble with this, one exercise would be to say, hey, if you've got a dog, take the dog out for a walk. If you've got um, a spouse, hey, let's everybody go. Let's just have a walk. Let's talk and let's get a little bit of exercise and just and try to Focus on just being present and in the now and not turning the walk into or the talk into a complaining exercise or something you know that has gone wrong. So, um, there are ways to be present that are just simple things that you can engage in in your life. And you can see how people tend to again overdo this Um, sex, porn, um, that kind of thing. Hey, I'm just going to get involved in constantly doing that. Oh, how about gaming? How about uh, gambling? These are all things that can take your attention and take them away from your life. Maybe generate their own stress to some degree, depends on what you're talking about. Uh, But playing, uh, in this case, modern day uh, video games can get very involved and quite involved and people can kind of lose themselves in them. So in their mind, they are present, they are taking part in an activity. But obviously, if your life is not moving while you're doing this thing. You shouldn't be doing this all day long. I mean, this is this is supposed to be an activity. It's not supposed to be your life. So the bottom line is find things that you do find enjoyable and can focus on. And these are great ways to start helping you become more present. Okay, so I want to highlight something here. We're talking about activities, and there's a couple of key points to mention here. When I see folks in the office, typically, especially with anxiety, they're quite busy. These folks have spent a lot of time and effort into going into trying to solve the current problem, the thing that's making them anxious. They focus more and more and more of their attention on this problem that seems pretty unsolvable, and they stop doing a lot of things they actually enjoy. So this When I talk about activities or doing something that you enjoy, this is mostly focused on trying to regain your life, get some sense of balance back in your life, and get back to doing some of those things that you may have stopped doing months or years ago that you used to enjoy, and there's really no explanation to say why you stopped doing those activities or why you do less of them other than, I don't have time. I am involved in trying to solve my problems. My life is too busy. I don't have the time, I have kids, I have this, I have that. And those are all legitimate concerns. But this is just saying put a little bit of something else back in your life that is more about you. It's not about being selfish and doing it all day long. It's just trying to put a little something back in your life that can get you more present and thinking a little less about some things that you likely can't solve. What this also is not is an effort to spend more and more time doing things and sleep less and less. So I'll talk about sleep down the line. But this issue is not to say you have to do more things in your life and you have to do more and more activities. It's trying to get you to see that the time you've been spending perhaps on trying to solve the problem is taking up all the time in your life and it's time to look at your life, how you spend your time, perhaps reprioritize and get things in more of a balance and one that is more of a sustainable balance. Um, I wanna talk about a few uh, topics now that uh, I I will cover in the future. One is sleep. Matthew Walker, uh, he has a great book called Why We Sleep. And in this are a great number of ideas and things that uh, I will definitely be talking about in the future. But sleep is certainly a consideration when it comes to anxiety. Uh, I've learned a lot from his book. Um, And it can affect your your mood, certainly. And generally, people that have anxiety are having trouble sleeping. Reason? Mind is racing. Generally, that's a main complaint about people with anxiety. Other other things, too. But anxiety is certainly a reason why or how people lose sleep or not able to get to sleep. And it becomes an issue and it's certainly not helping you. So we're going to talk about that in the future, but definitely a great point of discussion there when it comes to what's keeping you probably in an anxious state for one is not sleeping well is certainly one of those things. And so helping to get sleep, becoming more present, being able to slow down your mind, You you can see how these are all great tools that we've talked about that start to bleed into all areas of your life, and sleep is certainly one of those. So I I invite you to um, do these things we've talked about. You may be surprised that it starts to impact your sleep in a positive way. Okay, so the next thing I want to get to is, uh, which I, I think I promised on the last show, is a mistake people get caught up quite often when dealing with anxiety, and that is this. So avoiding things that make you anxious is good for fighting anxiety, right? And the answer is wrong. In fact, avoidance is one of those things you should not do when struggling with anxiety. Avoidance is a huge topic, a huge problem that people have when uh, dissecting or trying to figure out their anxiety. What is avoidance? What does this look like? Okay, so let me give you my scenario. I think I have mentioned it on this podcast before of what happened to me many years ago. So I'm living my life. I'm starting to have panic attacks. Well, avoidance is a... When people that have panic attacks, which is quite frightening, what they start to tend to do is to avoid places, spaces, things that were happening at the last panic attack. Because now the number one goal is to avoid panic attacks. So they think, well, I was doing this thing or in this activity, and I'm going to avoid doing that thing or that activity or going to that place. Because that's where I had the panic attack. These places are generally things like grocery stores, ball games, concerts, airplanes, um, you name it, where they had a panic attack. That's the thing they now avoid doing. Okay, so you can start to see sort of the common sense of this avoidance by saying, well, that thing gives me this adverse reaction. I'm just going to cut that out of my life. Sounds reasonable. Except that when you start cutting things out of your life, you have this thing called negative reinforcement. And that means you've had anxiety, you had an emotional fight that's going on, and you've you've removed something. So in this case, you've removed the thing that you think is making you anxious. And it, and it may make you feel better for a time. Hey, I'm no longer gonna go to that store or go to those concerts anymore. And get some positive relief from that. Can you see the problem starting to develop? here? Can you see that as you take things away and start feeling better, what do you think happens to your life? Answer, life gets smaller because anxiety will not stop coming around. And in fact, panic attacks may not stop coming around. It may have nothing to do with the store or the concert or the game you were at and have everything to do with your thoughts and you getting caught up in whatever it is that you were caught up in. The bottom line from this way of thinking avoidance, number one is your life gets smaller. You start going to less and less things. You start thinking about not coming to work. You start thinking about quitting work. You're not going to see your friends anymore. Life is getting smaller and smaller and it is getting a death grip on everything that you love. Now, you're essentially living your life to please your mood, to stop anxiety, to chase this feeling away. As life gets smaller, you run out of ideas. As you run out of ideas, you start to go to other things that have nothing to do with your anxiety, such as, oh, how about booze, pills, uh, you name it. Now you're doing things that you never set out to do. You're doing things that they're not really who you want to be. You're now doing things just to essentially get through the day and solve your anxiety problem. This eventually is a losing scenario. You bring on the booze, the pills, the porn, other behaviors. This inevitably fails. Now, depression sets in. Why? You've run out of ideas. There's nothing left to do. This is where suicidal thoughts start to generate because you're, you're backed into a corner, essentially. You don't know how to stop your anxiety. There are large things like panic or whatever's going on. You have no answers for this. Your life is focused on your mood, your anxiety level, and now you're in a corner. So can you see how avoidance and the act of focusing only on your anxious thoughts or mood can start to be a spiral? And that may be, you would say, well, Uh, this all sounds like common sense to me. If I went to the store and the store gave me a panic attack, I need to avoid the store because obviously the store is making me anxious. And I would say my way of doing it, and I think this is the generally accepted practice throughout numerous therapists um, that I know and we've discussed these topics, and there are many ways to do this, by the way, um, is you need to learn how not to avoid. Uh, And this is where it gets into people's therapists different ideas on doing this. If you're if you're working with me, I would say we learn how not to avoid through practice. Learning to approach anxiety and be okay with it is a very powerful tool. This is where having a good counselor can really pay off. And this is where now that working relationship that we've talked about is so important because the person is going to take you places where you may not want to go so that you can learn to be okay with anxiety. This is a major part of of the war you're fighting here is trying to learn to be okay with anxiety so that when anxious moments come, you're not overwhelmed by them. So that when anxious moments come, you don't change your life and change your your schedule because you're having an anxious moment. The Thanksgiving dinner you've planned is going off. It is going to happen. Yes, you will have anxious moments, but that's okay. You're going to try to stay in the moment and just enjoy the people there. That is how you... You're learning to deal with avoidance and say, well, I'm not, I don't want to live a life where I'm just avoiding doing these things. I want to somehow get on top of anxiety. I want to somehow make it so that anxiety does not run me. That's what we're dealing with here. We're trying to teach you how not to avoid and trying to teach you how to be okay with anxious thoughts. Uh, There are numerous ways to practice or gently expose you to anxiety it's a very controlled way to start expanding your life. It's all about re-expanding your life and not having that small life that I talked about that avoidance generally brings. Uh, there are numerous ways to do this with other therapies. I'm not going to go into, into all those because they all have a very specific things that are definitely worth talking about. But there are many creative ways that a therapist can help you Ultimately, work through anxiety and make it such that when you feel anxious moments, you don't avoid, you don't do things that are not in accordance with your values. You don't do things that are just chasing the feel good because ultimately that will not win. So the exercise I've given you as we close out this show is one of just noticing your thoughts and trying to jot them down. Ultimately, that is a very hard problem. I'm, 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 I must warn you. It's really not about catching what thought you're specifically having. It's about catching the fact that you're not present at all. It is very hard to notice these types of things because we do it so effortlessly. We do it without even thinking about it oftentimes. So this exercise for you is to help you learn to see these things. Meditation is to help you learn to see these things, to catch yourself in these moments so that you don't get swept away by them. These are the things that are keeping you in anxiety. These are some great basic habits and things that can help you get out of this. So I hope you've learned a lot today. And this is, again, why I've I've broken this up into another show, because there's just too much to cover. Um, Today, we've talked about really big things about avoidance and more on the present moment that I think are just important ideas. Just some good general food for thought and things that you want to put into your life and if you put those into place you will be able to lower anxiety these are concrete ideas that don't take a lot of thought honestly they're quite simple they're fairly straightforward they just take a focus and a a will to to work on them a great therapist counselors can help all therapists know how to do this and know how to help you with this this is a very basic thing that every pretty much therapists works with on some level. There are great folks out there that can walk you through this and help you catch when you're doing this. And and they'll do this in the therapy room when you're talking. There's there's lots of great ways for you to learn what these thoughts are, how to change them. There there are numerous ways to go about that and invite you to take advantage of that. So uh, give this stuff some thought, do the exercise that I talked about, and we'll see you again on the next show to discuss how to lower your anxiety, get the life you want to live. We'll do that on the next time on Counselors Can Help. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself through a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Pink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at aspireut.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.